everybody, Jay Sandin here, welcoming you to another exciting edition of the GBI Show. GBI, of course, short for what? Gridiron Betting Insights, just like you all expected here on ATS. And tonight, we have a special guest, the third special guest in the history of the GBI Show. We got Brian Bevo in the house. Brian, how are you doing this evening? Oh, Jay, what is up, man? GBI in the building here. Uh, Bevo in the building here. This is going to be a great show. Going to go through some week four plays, going to talk about each game specifically. And uh, I believe this is the first time we've done any sort of actual content together. Uh, we've known each other for a little bit, but uh, I'm pretty sure this is the first time we're doing a little bit of content. So can't wait for some great picks and some bad jokes. Very ready for it. <laughs> That's right. Always got to be ready for the bad jokes with me. Uh, of course, Brian B, greatest tech team. You could be Shelton Benjamin because he's way cooler than Charlie Haas and that old uh, WWE tag team. I'll allow that. Like you said, this week, we're going to talk about NFL Week 4. We're going to talk about Thursday Night Football first. We will get through every single game on the schedule. Of course, if you want to weigh in on your thoughts from the betting markets on any of the games, you hit up the chat box, Twitter, or YouTube, however you're watching the show. We certainly appreciate you doing so. Bebo, let's not waste any time here. Let's get straight into Thursday Night Football. Jacksonville Jaguars, seven-point dogs, on the road, taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. Total set around 46. And Trevor Lawrence, to say the least, Bebo, he has not looked good. Do you think that continues tonight? Do you think that they get blown out? Do you think the Bengals cover the spread? What do you think happens here? Uh, first thing that came to my mind when I looked at this game is that this is a major emotional letdown game for Cincinnati, coming off a big win at the rival Steelers, um, a really a match that they've been dominated in for God knows how long now. Um, so when I look at that right away, I think that Cincinnati could come out a little bit flat, especially off of that game. But to your point on Trevor Lawrence, uh, he has not looked very good. He has thrown the most interceptions in the NFL so far this year. Um, and he plays a style that, if, you know, if you're looking to make up points, like if you uh, want to get a backdoor, he's not a bad option for it because he, they're not afraid to let him air it out. Like you see a lot of rookie quarterbacks, they still they'll only let him throw maybe 20, 25 times a game. Trevor Lawrence, uh, he's he's capable of throwing it 50 times a game. Urban Meyer doesn't have a problem letting it um, letting him do that. And he's got a lot of great receivers out there with uh, DJ Chark. He's got a uh, LaVisca Chenault out there. So it's not like he's got uh, a shortage of weapons to do it. When I look at this game, um, to me, it screams a game that that back door could be creaking, uh, creaking open a little bit towards the end, especially for a Jacksonville team that is now desperate for a win. Yeah, this is another one of these Thursday night games, Bevo. I talked about it last week with the Shark on the GBI show here that uh, it's a game I'm glad is on Thursday night so I can watch the WNBA playoffs instead. I have no interest in consuming this game in any form or fashion. And, yeah, I think you're right. The back door could be open here, but I'm, I'm afraid to get involved at all, especially with the Jacksonville defense being the way it is here. Yes, I agree. It's a letdown spot potentially for the Bengals, but the Jaguars are allowing over a yard and a half more per play this season. Angles. And yes, you can compare the opponents and all that. They played Kyler Murray last week, which is always going to run up your yards per play allowed. But this Jags defense is bad, and they're being put into bad situations by Lawrence. Seven interceptions so far this season for Lawrence. Only Zach Wilson has that many as well. No other quarterback in the league with more than four. So I'm going to happily, Bevo, sit this game out. Uh, the back door could be open. I do not want to – I don't want to jiggle handle. That's, that's my philosophy yeah, on this think, football uh, game. I think the over could be a decent spot here, considering the fact that, as you mentioned, the Jags defense, not very good. Uh, we've seen primetime games this year hit an over at an astronomical rate this year. And I really like the way the Bengals' offense is progressing. Joe Burrow is gaining, uh, regaining that chemistry with his LSU Tiger teammate, Jamar Chase. Uh, and the fact that Lawrence just continues to put them in bad situations – um, where they're giving the Bengals short fields. I think you're going to see Jacksonville playing a little bit of catch-up, especially in the middle and later parts of the game, which could result in more um, more opportunities for the Bengals to score, but also more opportunity for Jacksonville to really take some risks and push the ball down the field, which usually equals points one way or another. So over 46, not a terrible play. You know, I looked at this game before the season started, and I had dubbed it potentially the bust bowl between Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. I am obligated now to admit that uh, Joe Burrow does not fall into the bust category at this time. He has been playing very well, and I regret the error, as last season I was all over the Joe Burrow is a bust train before he got hurt. So uh, just, to, just to set the record straight, just to uh, be transparent here, I was wrong about Joe Burrow. 
Now, Bebo, let's move on to the Sunday slate and just try and move this Jacksonville-Cincinnati situation out of our memories entirely. Let's go now to the Washington football team, a one-point favorite, taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Total 47 and a half. Washington has been brutal defensively so far this season. The Falcons, they've kind of took turns struggling on each side of the ball throughout the year. Which side do you think comes out on top in this one? Um, I think this is a game that, uh, as you mentioned, uh, the Washington football team has played um, very subpar. Uh, they had they lost a tough one, losing Fitzpatrick in Week One um, with uh, against the Chargers, and since then they really haven't really kind of established that you know chemistry and that good play um, under Taylor Heineke. Uh, very fortunate to not have a win period this season, um, especially with that um, farce against the uh, New York Giants with the offsides by Dexter Lawrence. I do think, though, the, with the way the books are looking at this, this is a one-point spread with a team that probably shouldn't have a win against a team who was probably, by most accounts, going to be a bottom-five team in the NFL this year in the Atlanta Falcons, um, especially um, with you know Matt, Matt Ryan regressing, losing Julio Jones' favorite target, gaining Kyle Pitts, but a guy who hasn't done much this year. Um, the Atlanta offensive line isn't very good, and the Washington defensive line has been – not great this year, but, you know, on paper, one of the best in the NFL. To me, this is a game where I think Washington has a chance to get it right against a subpar opponent. I do like Washington to come out with the victory in this game. Yeah, you mentioned that defensive line for the Washington football team, and I made a note here. I think it's just interesting to point out. You see the lack of production early this season for Chase Young, and it's pretty easy to draw the line with Kerrigan not being there anymore. Teams can block him differently than when they had to face two high-level pass rushers on that same D-line. I think that's been a problem for the football team defensively. Their secondary hasn't been impressive at all. Anytime you make Daniel Jones look like a competent NFL quarterback, that is an issue. It's just I, both sides of this are too unpredictable for me. I mean, the Falcons, they go and they play a defense, but they also give up over 30 points at home to the terrible Eagles. It's a game that I am happy to stay away from here as there's just so many variables within these teams, just in terms of who's going to show up on each side each week. I tend to stay away from the unpredictability in the NFL more than anything. I try to look for stability wherever I can, and uh, there is none to be found here, Bifo. Now, the biggest point now, point spread of the week is going to come in Orchard Park. It's going to be the Houston 17 point under old enough to uh, to drink in some states. They're old enough to drive a car. This point spread against the Buffalo Bills, the total around 47, the Davis Mills experience rolls into Orchard Park. Is it going to be as ugly as the spread looks here, Bevo? You know, I'll give Houston a little bit of credit here. Um, they have looked better than a lot of people have thought they were going to. And that was even with the first half, really the first three quarters with uh, Davis Mills. Offensively, not very great. Defense was has been a little bit better. But, I mean, really, Houston ha has, by all accounts, not been um, completely incapable of competing. Now, on the other hand, Buffalo has been blowing teams out of the water. After that, really you know, rough second half against um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is, you know, inexplicable with how bad Big Ben is. Josh Allen, some uh, pretty rough turnovers in that game. The two games since then, they have looked absolutely unstoppable, absolutely thrashing a Washington defense that was, again, supposed to be one of the best in the NFL and really one of the big reasons why you could see them winning the NFC East. Um, I like Houston's ability, you know, again, as the bona fide underdog. They know that role that they have. But I just can't see Davis Mills being able to keep up with that offense with the way Josh Allen has it rolling right now. Is it a potential backdoor spot? Yes. But if I had to put my money on a spot in this game, um, Buffalo's showing no signs right now of um, slowing down. They look on an absolute mission after not making it to the AFC title game um, last year. Uh, they, look like under, they look like on an absolute mission to really dominate and um, win uh, this year. I like Buffalo, but again, with that big of a spread in the way, in the unpredictability of NFL, um, probably stay away in my point. Yeah, on principle, I'm not trying to lay 17 points in the NFL in most cases. However, I did see, I think it's since 2015, favorites of uh, 15 or 16 or more, I think they're hitting at about 65%. Over, I, it's not a huge sample whatsoever. Of course, you don't see a lot of spreads of this size in the NFL, but it has been pretty decent bet taking favorites this big. And you talk, I mean, poor Davis Mills. This guy comes in, he replaces an injured Terod Taylor, and he gets Carolina, who might be playing the best defense in the NFL right now, 
And then he gets Buffalo, who's allowing under four and a half yards of play at times in that regard as well. I mean, the poor guy cannot catch a break. Uh, you, you would think he'd want to walk into a situation where he's playing Jacksonville or something like that. No such luck for him. And I think this one, like you said, it's going to get ugly. I am not trying to lay a a number in the, the late teens here in this one, but I do think that this has the potential to be a bloodbath. Now, a more competitive game scheduled for Sunday, Bebo. It's going to take place in the NFC North. Detroit Lions, three-point underdogs, taking on the Chicago Bears. Low total here, 42. We watched the Justin Fields experience last week, and needless to say, it did not go well. It's not looking likely that we're going to see him again this week, but it's possible there's a third quarterback potentially in the mix. What do you see going down here? I mean, can Chicago score? Um, I'm not sure that they have anyone going right now that's going to be able to put up, you know, more than a touchdown or two. Um, I look at Detroit. Do they have a win? No. But look at the results that they have had so far. Uh, they had an almost miraculous comeback against San Francisco, which really screwed a lot of people's tickets um, and had a gambling Twitter in a bit of a, you know, a bit of a state of despair. And then you look last week, they should have beat Baltimore if it wasn't for an NFL record setting field goal. Uh, with Justin Tucker. Uh, Detroit really has not looked bad under any circumstances. Uh, Jared Goff has been absolutely serviceable as a quarterback. He's looked better than he was when he was in Los Angeles. Um, game being in Chicago, you know, makes me wonder a little bit. But just based off of how, you know, Detroit's looked this year, with, um, and then compared to how Chicago's looked this year, with the QB uncertainty, with three quarterbacks in the mix it's looking like, and their inability to really score, um, I, I just, I don't feel comfortable taking Chicago um, with the way their offense is playing right now. Um, I think if you got to go somewhere here, it's either Detroit or a no play. So here on the GBI show, Bevo, uh, since this is your first time, uh, this is a show where I like to admit when I'm wrong, to uh, put it out there so everybody knows I'm not sitting here claiming 70% winners. Thing like right on the record, I had the Chicago Bears in Cleveland last week. And it was awesome. I sat there and I watched the entire game just yelling at Matt Nagy, throwing the ball occasionally. And until the game was at hand, it was horrible. There was like nine sacks for the Cleveland Browns. Miles Garrett had, I think, four and a half of them. It was awful. So you got Justin Fields, Andy Dalton might play, and now we're bringing Nick Foles into the equation, the former Super Bowl champion, one of two quarterbacks to defeat Tom Brady in the biggest game in the NFL, of course, up there with Eli Manning, my guy. None of those options are appealing and it's just like you said, the Lions have been decent this year. Jared Goff, as you said, he's been fine. And you knew what you were getting with Goff. You were getting one of those more game managerial type quarterbacks, right? A guy who's going to throw short rather than stretching the field and really taking a lot of risks. That's what they've gotten. And the Lions have been competitive in at least a half in each of their first three games. They could very well win this one outright. Again, it's no play for me because of the quarterback situation in Chicago. We don't know who's going to be out there. You'd prefer Dalton to the other options at this point in time. But, yeah, I think it's a game that the Lions could very well win on the money line. I think uh, if you were going to take the dog there, I would take it that way instead of uh, taking the three points. Now we're going to go. This could be a game for Matt Nagy's job, too. So, I mean, that could go into it, honestly. If they lose this one, I, I, I he's the hot seat goes from really, really hot to – it goes in Taco Bell sauces. It goes from hot to Diablo. <laughs> oh, you're skipping fire entirely. Very good. I like uh, you knew your audience there, by the way, because you knew if anybody was going to know the Taco Bell sauces off the top of their head, it was going to be me. You, you look right in this region. And that's yeah, you know that I know my Taco Bell sauces very well. We're going to go to Dallas next, Bebo. We're going to talk about the Panthers and the Cowboys. Uh, Carolina four point underdog in this game. Total is in the 40s as well. And this is a situation where the Panthers coming off a lot of rest, right? They played last Thursday. They had a pretty easy game against the Texans. Short week for the Cowboys, but that Cowboys offense has definitely looked good. Yeah, um, but that's not the surprise here. The Cowboys offense has been pretty serviceable, honestly, under Dak Prescott uh, when he's played. Uh, they, they've been okay. It's the defense that's been terrible. Lo and behold, the Cowboys defense is not that bad. They played very, very well against Justin Herbert and the Chargers defense. They played very well against the Eagles defense, large in part to Trayvon, or to Trayvon Diggs and Micah Parsons, who finally got out of that uh, little slumber that he was in and coverage against Tom Brady. But there's no shame in that. Tom Brady makes everybody look bad. Um, 
I think Dallas's defense is what's going to take them places this year. Um, we know they can move the ball with uh, Dak Prescott, with C.D. Lamb, with Amari Cooper, with Ezekiel Elliott, and Tony Pollard backing him up. Scoring's not going to be a problem. Even against a defense like Carolina, um, maybe they won't score as much as they did against Philadelphia. But if Dallas keeps playing the way they did on defense, I think this is a game that they should not only win against Carolina, but they should cover with relative ease, in my opinion. You know, I'm leading the other way in this game, and I know that some of the injuries for the Panthers, you know, CMC, J.C. Horn, are concerns for Carolina. Um, the rest spot for the Panthers, I, let's face it, I mean, they basically had a bye week for their defense last week against Davis Mills and company. Uh, they are the only team in the NFL allowing under four yards to play so far this season. I think that their defense is a lot better than we think coming into this game. And I think that they are set to prove it here. I also think, I mean, Dallas, they, you know, they beat Justin Herbert and the Chargers, but it took a lot of execution errors from that Chargers team for them to get there. You know, it took a lot of penalties in the red zone on offense by the Chargers to keep them afloat in that game. I think that Carolina, they just, they seem a little bit more buttoned up. And I think the fact that the Cowboys took advantage of a real weak Eagles team last week is what's going to be the story here. I don't think the Cowboys are as good as they looked a week yeah. ago. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of the most interesting games to look forward to because a lot of people are very surprised with how Dallas' defense is playing. A lot of people are surprised that Carolina's off to a 3-0 start. Um, are they a team that's likely going to be undefeated long-term? Probably not. But to me, it could be a point of regression for Carolina. Carolina wins this game. Um, I think that, you know, we really need to start looking at Carolina as maybe a contender because their defense looks really, really good right now. Yeah, on the road at Dallas would certainly be one of those wins where uh, you wake a lot of people up, especially with all the eyeballs on Dak Prescott and company down there in Dallas. Now we're going to talk about the Miami Dolphins. They are a two-point home favorite taking on the Indianapolis Colts, who, by the way, winless. We spent all this time getting excited about Carson Wentz and where is he going to go. He's football Ben Simmons out here. Uh, it has not gone well for the Indianapolis Colts. They're 0-3. Total, again, low 40s here. Jacoby Brissett, revenge. Um, this is a really interesting game here. Um, you got two teams that were predicted to perhaps contend for playoff spots who are off to terrible starts right now. And another loss for either one of these teams could put major dents into their playoff hopes. Uh, statistically speaking, teams that start off this bad almost never make the playoffs. You look at a Carson Wentz team who was reunited with uh, Frank Reich. People expected a lot of good things out of this, and um, it's yet to come to fruition. They haven't been able to get Jonathan Taylor going out of the backfield. Honestly, Naeem Hines has been playing almost as much, which is something that a lot of people didn't expect. And then on the Dolphins' standpoint, Tua Tagovailoa going down with an injury. Um, and while he may not have looked great in his games, Dolphins are 7-3 and three with him as a starter. So that's something you really have to consider. Now, Brissett turned it on towards the end of last week, but it was too little too late. Can they carry over their play in the second half into this Indianapolis game? If they can, things look good for them. We know the Dolphins' defense is going to show out. Um, the Dolphins' defense has the NFL's longest takeaway streak um, by a very large margin, headed by, in my opinion, the best cornerback in the NFL, Xavier Howard. Um, I think this is a game that's really going to come down to the end here. And I also think this is a game that not may not necessarily have a ton of points. Um, on side, I lean Miami. On side or on total, um, I don't necessarily see a ton of points here because I think that the Dolphins' defense and inability to really move their offense um, is going to lead to a whole lot of scoring opportunities for either team. Yeah, I think I'm with you uh, in that. I think the under is the best look in this game if you were to make a play on it. Uh, like you said, the Dolphins, very good defensively. Uh, they've been abysmal offensively this year. And some of that, of course, can be attributed to you have a backup quarterback in there for about half your season at this point. That is a problem. But, I mean, second worst in the league in yards per play. And, it, again, we talk about Jacoby Brissett. He's not a typical backup. You know, he's not a Nathan Peterman who gets thrown out there to the once in a while and it goes terribly. He has started games in multiple cities at this point in his career. So you would expect a little bit better from him, but it hasn't been there yet. And who knows? I mean, you know, maybe it gets there as he develops a rapport as a starter in the short term for this team. But I, I don't see a reason to back either of these sides at this point. I'm with you. I think if there was a play to be made in this game, it would be the under and D. Now, a matchup of teams that are playing a little bit better than the Colts and the Dolphins. We are talking about the Cleveland Browns and Minnesota Vikings. Both of these teams just a couple of bounces away from potentially 
starting their seasons 3-0. and Cleveland, a two-point favorite on the road in this game. I think this is a really interesting one. Yeah, Minnesota's coming off a big win against um, Seattle and your favorite quarterback, Russell Wilson, last week. Uh, for anyone that knows anything about old GBI here, he is a diehard Russell Wilson fan with a poster hanging up of Russell and Ciara in his wall and watches their TikToks religiously. Uh, so sad weekend for GBI last weekend. Um, I think that this is uh, could be a game that really, when we look long-term, um, where these teams end up, this could be a game where one of them proves themselves as a larger contender and maybe one of them does not. Um, Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield are two quarterbacks, in my opinion, that have shown that they can be pretty good, even good, but not great. Not a guy or not a quarterback who you think is really going to take you to the promised land. In this situation, um, it, it's really going to come down to the availability for me of Dalvin Cook. Um, I know Alex Madison looked good last week, um, but that was against a Seattle defense that is absolutely pathetic. Uh, Brown defense is not pathetic uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Miles Garrett up front is going to plug some holes. Um, I think he can get Cook back and he can be effective. I think that Minnesota has a really good chance in this game. I think that if he's out and Baker Mayfield, um, you know, has been serviceable as he's been most of the year, I think this is a game for the Browns. Um, for me, this is an absolute no play. Um, I think this is a coin flip and you can see either team win. I'm going to save my comments on Russell Wilson for later in the show when we get to the Seahawks taking on the 49ers. For now, I will focus on the Cleveland Browns and they've got some banged up members of their offensive line heading into this game. You look at Conklin, Wills, and Treader all on the injury report. It doesn't look like anybody is going to miss, and right now it's all questionables. But you got to wonder how that's going to affect their ability to perform when they are on the field. We saw Wills leave the game a few times against Chicago, and of course it didn't matter because all they needed to do was score, you know, 10 points to blow Chicago out of the water in that game. But his health was a huge question mark throughout that afternoon. And we saw offensive line for the Browns struggle protecting on fourth down plays. There were a couple of fourth down sacks early in the game for the Bears. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying that the Vikings have a fearsome pass rush on the level of one led by Khalil Mack. But I have my eye on that offensive line for the Browns as a concern. And, you know, I think Kirk Cousins has been terrific so far this year. I mean, let's face it. He hasn't faced lockdown defenses in Arizona and Seattle the last couple of weeks, but he has moved the ball at will for this Vikings team. I think the Vikings are a live dog here. I am tempted to take uh, Minnesota on the money line. I want to see if we can get any additional value before Sunday. If not, it's a long season. I am half on the game, but we'll see what happens there. I think it's going to be a game that a lot of people think, hence the uh, Dort number, which I know a lot of people are jumping at, right? I mean, Cleveland right now, the way that they're playing, one botched punt away for, uh, against Kansas City from being 3-0. and I think that a lot of people might love them just a little bit too much after a pretty easy game against the Chicago Bears. Now, we talked about your favorite team. Browns yeah, well, that's true, too. Yeah, that's always a problem, right? <laughs> now, we talked about your favorite team in the Miami Dolphins earlier in the show. We're going to talk about my favorite team now, the New York Giants. And it's a lot sadder conversation when you're talking about my favorite team than it is your favorite team. They're a seven-point underdog heading into New Orleans, taking on the Saints. Total 41 and a half. I will let you have the floor first before I say some not-so-nice things about the franchise as a whole. Ew is what I think about when I see this game, um, honestly, when it comes to mine. Um, yeah, I look at this game, and I mean, yes, I mean, my team is a little bit better, but, like, I mean, you, you've seen two Super Bowls. I haven't seen none. I've seen barely any playoff wins. So um, I look at this game, honestly, and I see two quarterbacks who are so susceptible to turning the ball over. And I really think that that's going to create a lot of problems on both sides. And I really think, you know, when you look at this game, it's why you might see the Giants as uh, seven-point dogs here. Um, Joe Judge isn't a good coach. Um, I don't think he's somebody that sees uh, the end of the season and things continue the way that they do. The question is, can Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley finally work together and put up some points? Uh, it's not that the Giants don't have good weapons. I mean, Saquon Barkley, when, he when healthy, is a top three court, uh, running back in the NFL, maybe the top running back, who knows. You got Kenny Galladay, you got Sterling Shepard, um, Evan Ingram is susceptible to dropping the ball, but still can get open. It's not like they don't have weapons, because they do. The line isn't great, but Daniel Jones hasn't shown any sort of ability to show that he's going to be someone who can put up points over and over and over again, uh, even despite what he did against um, Washington. 
Uh, I think this is a game, honestly. Um, the Saints' offense isn't necessarily great. They're a run-heavy team with Alan Kamara, just as the Giants are a run-heavy team. I think you can see the clock get winded a ton here. And if I were going to make a play on this game, I might go under. Um, again, this is another one for me that's probably a no play. But if you have to take it, um, I'd go under personally. Yeah, I'm not playing it. By the way, spoiler alert, I only have one. I have one actual wager on the NFL this week. I'm keeping the volume pretty low in the early portion of the season here. So this is not a game I'm betting. But if I were to bet on it, I would bet on the New Orleans Saints. Of course, my reason being... The Giants, they're just they're a joke from top to bottom. This has been a joke of a season so far. You got Joe Judge he asked, being asked analytics this week, and he's talking about if the games were played on spreadsheets, Bill Gates would be running the NFL. Just these meat-headed comments from a guy who, you know what? If it's not played on a spreadsheet, why aren't you winning then? Because you have guys like John Harbaugh running analytics and winning games, whereas Joe Judge, he's simply cannot relate. The Giants, by the way, tied for the worst record in the league over the last few seasons with the Jets. Uh, just a miserable building, MetLife Stadium, from top to bottom. And I listen, if it doesn't get better soon, I think Gettleman needs to go. I think Judge needs to go. I think you get rid of Jones, too, to avoid that awkward period where a new GM comes in and the quarterback isn't his guy, so to speak. Uh, you got to clean house if this doesn't get better soon. And I don't think it's going to get better this week. This, by the way, the first week of this season where the New Orleans Saints are actually playing at home because they had to start their season at home, so to speak, in Jacksonville against the Packers, and then they've played two road games. I think it's just going to get worse. I think the Giants are going to go out there and play against the Saints team that will be fired up to finally play a home game, and it's, it's going to be a disaster from the word go. Yeah, I mean, we know a New Orleans crowd, um, they get pretty crazy. Um, there are some people looking for some happiness right now with the unfortunate events with Hurricane Ida really caused some damage. Um, so they're going to be jacked up to kind of take a break from the, the rebuilding that they had to do. Fortunately, not as bad as it was during Katrina. Um, they're going to be jacked up to see their team play. Uh, Saints looking to uh, keep pace with the Buccaneers. Um, I, I would say that if you have to go aside, I would probably go New Orleans too, just simply for the fact that the Giants can't put up points. They, uh, you draft Daniel Jones in between the draft classes that had, you know, Darnold and these other good quarterbacks. And then you, you know, you wait until before the Herbert draft class to take a guy. It's just embarrassing. Just an embarrassing franchise. And speaking of embarrassing franchises, by the way, we're going to talk about the New York Jets next. It's not going to get any better on the embarrassment meter here as we talk about the Jets. Six and a half point home dogs to the Tennessee Titans. Total 45. Titans coming off a big win in the division last week, two in a row now, after they beat your guy Russell Wilson and the Seahawks the week before that. The Jets, 0-3, shut out by the Broncos last week. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, if there's a game for Zach Wilson to get right or try to start to figure things out, um, Tennessee's defense has not been impressive this year, um, really under any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think that, you know, you know, it, it's getting it, things are getting worrisome for Zach Wilson. Um Usually there's going to be some rookie bumps along the way. We get that. But I don't think he's even strung together more than two or three good plays. We're seeing a Tennessee team who's finally starting to rebound after a horrid week one performance. Derrick Henry's getting back to being Derrick Henry. Um, you see Ryan Tannehill and Julio Jones finally gaining some chemistry together. Um, I think that at seven, again, you're at that precarious number right there where, you know, will they, will they get backdoored or not? But where did the Jets even really put up any points to really backdoor, period? Um, I think that if you got to go with the side here, you got to go with the team who started to play a lot better over the last two weeks in the Tennessee Titans, as opposed to taking a team in the Jets who have looked nothing short of the worst team in the NFL under Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson this season has taken a worse soaking than a uh, BYU student in freshman year. It's been embarrassing. Uh, 20 points scored by the Jets so far this season, three, three games. 20 points scored, Bevo. That is unacceptable. Um, like, like you said, if you had to take a side here, I would take the Titans. Um, I am not going to do it by the way, uh, transparency. Once again, the theme of this program, I was on the Jets land against the Broncos. I took the 10 and a half. They did not score a, so, um, again, this could be a game. Zach Wilson gets right against the bad defense. I'm not going to back him to do that. I'm also not going to back Titans shaky defense. What I will say is that the Jets should wear their Titans of New York uh, navy blue and gold throwbacks for this game so we get a Titans versus Titans matchup. That is my big <laughs> We'll move on. We'll, move on. we'll go to an interconference matchup. 
Evo, the AFC's Kansas City total 54, and the Eagles didn't look like a team too keen on contributing to totals last week against the Cowboys. They really struggled on the offensive side of the ball. They take on a Kansas City defense, though, that hasn't been good. This could be a get-right situation for Jalen Hurts and company. Yeah, there's a couple interesting situations with this game. The Eagles have not looked good, and honestly, as we alluded to prior to in the show with that botched punt against Cleveland, Kansas City's a botched punt away from being 0-3, which nobody would really think about um, coming into the season with the offense that they have. Kansas City's offensive line has not gelled together. Um, their defense, we know, hasn't been good. One thing that is lucky for Kansas City, though, in that offensive line is that the Eagles' pa um, best pass rusher, Brandon Graham, is out for the entire year, unfortunately, with an injury. So the Eagles' defense, you know, what are they going to put together? Um, I mean, Fletcher Cox is really good. We know that. Um, came up with the big sack on Monday Night Football. Um, we know that was important. But, I mean, the Eagles' defense in general, um, not very good overall Jalen Hurts this has to be an opportunity for him to show what he can do otherwise the uh growing and growing somehow Deshaun Watson rumors which Jeffrey Lurie reportedly has green lighted a trade for um to try to save their season uh that don't I don't, don't think that'll go over well um with any fan base but we'll see what happens there uh but I mean Jalen Hurts has got to be hearing the rumors about that um this week and I think that could play a little bit into his psyche um I mean again I really don't see a scenario in which the Chiefs don't win the game. The Chiefs aren't going to fall to one and three. We know that. The question is, um, can they avoid a backdoor? Because I think the Chiefs will be winning the most of the game. And you'll, you'll see the Eagles get really pass-heavy late in the game. Um, question is, will they um, avoid a backdoor? I personally enjoy the Chiefs in this game. Um, I think 54, yeah, under in the Chiefs game, I know that's saying something, but I think 54 is a high number, and I'm not sure Jalen Hurts will be able to come up with enough offense to get to that number. So if I had to lean sides in this game, I'd probably go Chiefs, and I'd probably lean under. I think, what was it, a missed extra point last week? It was what lost the, the, the over unders game, right? I think the Chargers. Chargers missed that late one. And we've seen stranger yeah. things than a Chiefs under. It is um, I lean Philly in this game. I think that uh I think you have a spot here where the Eagles, they come off a Monday night game where they look terrible, but they face a really, really soft Chiefs defense. The Chiefs, the only team in the NFL this season so far, allowing seven yards of play. Uh, they've been abysmal. And yes, you can say, oh, they played Lamar Jackson, they played Justin Herbert. Other teams, I mean, the Lions did a better job of defending Lamar Jackson by leaps and bounds than the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a Chiefs problem. This is not a scheduling problem, in my opinion. But I still, I do not trust Jalen Hurts enough. If I if I can get it over the seven, if I can get a hook there, I'll think about it. But uh, it's a no play for me. By the way, as an ardent hater of the Philadelphia Eagles, I was yelling at my television for the entire Monday night game against the Cowboys. Why don't Sudfeld now yeah, tank? I mean, if and prove along in Guantanamo Bay. If there's any viewers out there, um, make sure to spot out to see if Patrick Mahomes is hitting up um, his favorite gas station, Wawa, to see if he's getting any um, nice old-fashioned subs there, because we all know gas station food is a delicacy of Philadelphians. And if Patrick Mahomes is getting his Wawa sub, then his body might not be ready. That's why I call it gas station meal Adelphia. That city, it is. Uh, it's baffling to me why you would eat hot food at a place that sells gasoline. Not for me. What is for me is the L.A. Rams, Bevo. They're three and zero, and they host the Arizona Cardinals this week. The Rams, a four and a half point favorite, total fifty four and a half. Both of these quarterbacks just tearing it up so far this year. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, right now, if I, I mean, I know Josh Allen's been great too, but in my opinion, these two quarterbacks are the top two um, front runners for the MVP right now. Kyler Murray and um, Matthew Stafford. I think this is a game in which you're going to see points, 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 points. The Rams, the, or the Rams offense has looked very, very, very good. Um, the Rams defense, um, I mean, it, they've been largely pretty good overall too, but Arizona right now, I mean, they're just scoring pretty much at will. And I mean, they have a I mean, with Kyler Murray, with DeAndre Hopkins, with AJ Green in the fold, Christian Kirk emerging as a great number three receiver. Um, you know, you got James Conner, Chase Edmonds in the back, um, in the backfield. I think this is a game you're going to see a lot of points. Um, I know, uh, I believe last I checked, the Rams were uh, six. I think six is a bit of a high number for a team that, uh, and I think in Arizona, that's really, really good. I'm personally not going to play a side here. Um, I do like the over, though. 
Yeah, I'm not playing it either. I think that it would be foolish to go against either one of these quarterbacks with the way they're playing. I love the fact that both quarterbacks are stretching the field vertically, right? I mean, you talk about guys like Goff or Breeze last year who didn't have that in their arsenal and it really cost their teams. These guys can beat you with a pass anywhere on the field, and it shows. I mean, that's why they've been as successful as they have been. Here's one thing I will say. If you are thinking about taking the Rams, I don't blame you. They have won eight straight against the Arizona Cardinals dating back to 2017. Of course, a lot of that time being during the McVay and Kingsbury eras for both of those teams. McVay, he's historically just destroyed the Arizona Cardinals. None of those wins have come by any fewer than seven, by the way. So if you are laying the points with the Rams, I get it. Uh, I will not be doing that because I think that this is the best version of the Cardinals that we have seen during that period of time. This offense is just incredible. Speaking of incredible offenses, Bevo, we're going to stay in the NFC West, and we it's finally time. We're going to talk about your guy, Russell Wilson, from NC State, by the way, not from Wisconsin, from NC State. Two-and-a-half-point underdogs taking on the 49ers. And this is a game where the total's 51, and we've seen the Niners – and the Seahawks struggle on defense recently. Yeah, um, this is a huge game for both teams. Uh, the Seahawks do not want to fall to one and three. We know that. Uh, that's not what that's not what Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll know. On the flip side, San Francisco, you can argue. I mean, that they should be. You know, they could be in first place. Honestly, the way their season has gone, um, I do think that San Francisco has a lot of questions to answer and a growing questions that to answer with Jimmy G and Trey Lance. Um, I don't think that this is the week that you're going to look for Jimmy G to look bad because Seattle's defense is horrendous. Uh, I would never want to take an over with the San Francisco offense and an over is in the 50s, but against Seattle defense, it's very possible. Being that the spread's two and a half and being San Francisco really did not look bad at all, um, especially down the stretch against um, a good Green Bay team who's really starting to find their legs after a horrible week one showing. Um, I, I'm not sure that Seattle, um, I mean, we, we know that Russell Wilson has shown the ability to win games that he shouldn't win. And I don't think that Seattle should win this game. Um, but I do think that right now, looking at this game, I think it's another coin flip game. Um, if I had to lean aside, I'd go San Francisco. Um, but honestly, in terms of total, that's just odd to me because I don't think San Francisco's offense is that great. But again, Seattle's defense is just so bad that I kind of see, you know, why would people would want to take the over. For me, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy a good old-fashioned NFC West game. I'm, I have no play here. Yeah, I, I lean to the Niners, but there are cases you can really make for both teams. Um, the fact that Seattle's moving the ball so well, especially, again, you talk about the vertical passing games in this division, it doesn't get any better than that in Seattle. And with Jason Verrett not playing for the Niners, their best corner, uh, that's a real problem there. I mean, they have struggled against the pass specifically. However... You look at this Niners team, and without a magical drive at the end of that game by Aaron Rodgers, they'd be looking at 3-0 and too, which is especially impressive. They had to come back from an early 10-point hole in that game against Green Bay, and they still should have won it. I think there are cases to be made for both teams here, but I'm with you. I'm going to kick back and just watch this game, enjoy two really good teams go at it in the game where, as you said, huge implications on both sides. However, I will put it out there, I'm rooting against Russell Wilson because – you said I thought he was cool. I could not be farther from the truth. I think he is the lamest guy in the NFL. He Googles song lyrics to talk to his wife about. He said that God didn't want him to get it on for a really long time. And not just that God didn't want him to get it on, but he actually had a conversation with him. It was a two-way conversation. Uh, he's just impossibly lame. And uh, that is my take on Russell Wilson. <laughs> I, I believe GBI will be listening to Future as he watches the Seahawks every single time in relation to um, Russell's wife's um, ex-lover, um, we'll say. Um, yes, uh, it's always funny when people reference Future when talking about Russell Wilson, uh, the rapper, for those of you that don't know. Um, always fun stuff. I love Russell Wilson personally. Um, one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL being a Wisconsin fan and giving us one of our better seasons in recent memory. So GBI may not love him as much as I do, um, but nonetheless, um, Russell Wilson, future Hall of Famer in my opinion. So let's talk here now, Bevo, about another great game. This time we'll go out to the AFC, though. It's going to be the Ravens taking on the Broncos. The Ravens currently a one-point dog on the road, uh, total 45. This is the one game I bet this week, folks. Everybody get your popcorn ready. Get your fading hats on. But first, I want to know what Bevo thinks of this game. 
Uh, this is a really interesting one. Uh, you got um, Lamar Jackson in an offense. It's been really, really good so far this year against a Denver team. And I made a comment last week that it seems that every Denver game goes um, goes under because uh, it's not like Denver's offense is really just um, absolutely blowing teams out of the gate. And they're going to be even more uh, humbled this week um, with uh, the receiver KJ Hamler, who's out for the season um, with a um, season-ending torn ACL injury. So that takes a major target for Teddy Bridgewater away. That only really leaves him with um, Cortland Sutton in terms of um, downfield targets. Um, I think this is a game where it's going to be really tough for Lamar to move the ball in that setting. Mile High Stadium is a madhouse when it's a huge game. Um, I think also that Teddy Bridgewater is also going to have a little bit of trouble um, adjusting without Hamler. Um, they have a nice system going right now um, with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams um, kind of splitting duty in the backfield. I'm um, doing really, really well against the Jets last week. Um, I think this game's going to go under, but I do think being that Lamar knows how to struggle or does struggle on the road a bit, should have lost Detroit last week. I think Karma's going to come back around considering they was a delay of game penalty and they shouldn't have even won that game to begin with. If I had to take a side here, I'm going with Denver. Yeah, I'm on the Broncos in this game. I actually, I had laid the one and a half or moved back down to one, just my luck there. Um, I, you know, it's the second straight row of the Ravens, which I do not think benefits them What, As you said, it's something that has never happened in the history of the NFL, a 66-yard field goal, just time to get by the Detroit Lions last week. And I know there's a lot of criticism about the strength of schedule for the Broncos, right? They played the Giants, they played the Jaguars, and the Jets. Those three teams combined, I think, would form like a decent XFL roster, not so much in the NFL. But... That defense is tailor-made, I think, to slow Lamar Jackson down. That pass rush is going to force him into bad decisions in a bad schedule. For the Ravens, that Broncos get the job done. By the way, Denver has 36 minutes per game time. So we got a couple of games left here to talk about, Bevo. We are going to move to Steelers-Packers next. The Steelers, a six-and-a-half-point underdog, coming at brutal loss against the Cincinnati Bengals, taking on a Packers team who might have their mojo back now. Aaron Rodgers leading them to two straight victories. What do you think? Welcome to one of my plays that we'll get to later on. Um, Pittsburgh is washed. Until they learn how to establish the run, nobody respects Ben Roethlisberger right now. He looks absolutely terrible. There's no reason he should have came back. It appears he's already banged up again. And even though he has a solid set of receivers in TikTok superstars, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool, um, right now until they learn how to establish a run with Najee Harris, um, the health of TJ Watt is really hampering their defense um, a lot. I don't see absolutely. I don't see any reason to take Pittsburgh right now. The only time they looked good this year was in the second half against Buffalo, and that's because T.J. Watt was there forcing some turnovers to set the Steelers up in good position. I think Aaron Rodgers has found his mojo back. He got that bad first game out of the way after a tumultuous offseason with the front office. Uh, got smoked by the Saints. They've looked really, really, really good ever since. Um, awesome drive against San Francisco last week. Um, last I saw, uh, Green Bay was minus 6.5, uh, minus 115. Um, I think that that is absolutely the right play here. Again, um, I'm very low on Pittsburgh, and I will continue to be low on Pittsburgh until they finally learn how to establish and realize that Najee Harris is the guy that needs to be getting the ball, not Ben Roethlisberger at this point in his career. Yeah, I mean, for Roethlisberger, mobility hasn't been a strength for a while, but, I mean, he looks like he looks like the Tin Man, like he needs the oil can for the joints at this point in his career. Like, it's been really bad for him. I'm with you. If I had to take a side here, it would be Green Bay. I think, uh, I think that they're just back on track, especially with the passing game. And like you said, the pass rush being affected by injury for the Steelers is what is going to cost them here. Now we get to the Brady Bowl, Bevo. We get to Bucks Patriots. Tampa Bay, a six and a half point favorite, total 49. A lot of familiarity here between Brady, Belichick. What do you think? Ah, oh, man, this there's so much that goes into this game. Um, first, from a betting aspect, I believe 97% of the money and like 98% of the tickets right now are on the Buccaneers. And we all know very, very well if the books ever need a win, they never get it. That's why they're always bankrupt and they always lose. It never happens. The books always get what they want, which makes me really, really scared to bet this game. Also, I don't know if anyone saw videos earlier today. Um, Brady was being asked about, you know, Belichick at his time in New England. He sounded very under the weather. His voice did not sound great. His eyes were sunken in a little bit. 
makes me wonder if he has some sort of sickness. Let's just hope it's some like cold or whatnot and any, not anything COVID related. We don't want to see that happen to anybody. Um, but it's Tom Brady. He's one of the healthiest athletes. And if anyone's going to get better before game time, it's him. Um, I think this is a game with just so many storylines that it's, ugh, it's, I mean, really, I think it contributed to why Tampa Bay lost last week a little bit. I think that look ahead for Gronkowski and Brady's return um, played a lot into it. Uh, with so much money and so many of the tickets being on the bucks, it really makes me, it, it makes it hard to want to take them because of just, you know, the sheer amount of, you know, need for the books. And again, like I said, they always seem to get those games. For me, that's a no play. If it somehow dips under, if it gets to like under seven or like maybe towards six, six and a half, I'd probably go Tampa Bay. But with just how many storylines are involved in this, I mean, we've never really seen a storyline like this in the NFL where perhaps the greatest quarterback of all time um, who played for 20 plus years with one franchise goes to the other franchise. It just happens to be the defending Super Bowl champs. Um, that for me is um, right now a no play. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think, you know, it's very obvious. The Bucks are really good, and the Patriots are kind of having some growth. There is not a single person in the league who knows Tom Brady better than Bill Belichick, right? I mean, the two work together for ages. He knows everything Brady does well and the very few things that he doesn't. And there is also no other coach in the NFL who knows how to game plan for an opponent like Bill Belichick. I, you think he's going to have something for Tom Brady here? especially with the motivational edge of wanting to kind of get back at Brady for leaving and winning a Super Bowl. I would, I would lean the Patriots here as hard as it would be to take those points. I think that, I mean, if the number gets any higher, I would certainly uh, be interested and at a touchdown or greater number. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it was, it, it was revealed in like a book this week. I think that uh, like in like a conversation with Wes Welker in 2017 saying that uh, he doesn't, I don't want to play for Bill anymore. I think yeah, that'll be in Belichick's mind too, just pointing that out. Yes, 100%. Also, yeah, for real, like you said, get well soon, Tom Brady, because he did not look good. I saw people saying that he had the suds before uh, during that press conference. <laughs> I'm worried about him, man. He, he, was all hun- he was all hunched up like this, you know, like, you know, like SpongeBob wasn't the episode, you know, looked like that. Yeah, um, he did look like it. So that's a good point. Was ugly. Let's get Monday football now. We're talking about Raiders, Chargers. Chargers a three and a half point favorite against the at good again this time. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be a really good game. Honestly, um, I think this might be one of the top games, if not the top game of the weekend, um, in terms of just um, style right now. The Raiders are playing very, very well. Derek Carr has great chemistry with Darren Waller and with Brian Edwards at the moment. Um, they look very. Josh Jacobs can play good. They look like they look very, very good. Meanwhile, they play the Chargers, whose defense, as we know, is very good. Justin Herbert, while occasionally making mistakes here and there, has built great chemistry with Mike Williams, who's been one of the great, been one of the better fantasy players so far this year. Keenan Allen, he has good chemistry with um, Austin Eckler. We know what he can do. I think this is another game where you're going to see a lot of points overall. Despite the Chargers' defense being um, very good, the Raiders' offense is just one of those offenses that they can, you know, just score, score, score on you. And I don't like the Raiders' defense too much at all either. I mean, in overtime, Jacoby Brissett went right down the field after that fourth and 20 conversion to Mike Gesicki. Um, I think this is a game that's going to hit the over. But in terms of the spread, I think this is going to be super, super close. It's going to come down to the last possession. I also have a play on this game, and it involves a tease. Um, we'll get to that in a moment here. Um, but I think this is a game that if you just have to choose one of the sides, I would lean over. Yeah, I, uh, I have nothing on the side or the total here. The red zone execution for the Chargers leaves me a little concerned. And the ability of the Raiders to kind of let teams hang around also kind of keeps me feeling that way on the side perspective. So you mentioned a teaser here, and let's get right to GBI bets, our best bets for week four. We will start with you. You said you had a few of them. I would love to hear what they are. Yeah, so right now I have four plays locked in for this week. Um, I ha- I know it seems like we're on the opposite side, even though you didn't officially take it. I do have Dallas minus four. I think I love the way Prescott's clicking right now. Um, I think that um, offense paired with, the again, it's very surprising Dallas defense. Not a lot of people saw that coming. Uh, Micah Parsons is getting better and better, potential Rookie of the Year candidate. Um, and I think Carolina is going to regress a little bit. So I do have Dallas minus four. Um, I have Detroit. Um, it was plus three. I bought the hook. Um, at minus 115 to three and a half. 
Again, that's just me playing it a little bit safe at a precarious number that three is. Um, again, we talked about it before. I don't like Chicago to score points. Their QB situation is a mess. Their offense is a mess. You saw Nick Foles mumbling on the sideline last week that this offense doesn't effing work. Um, so I think that uh, there's a lot of uh, disarray right now in the offensive room, and Matt Nagy um, just has no trust in the team right now. I think Detroit, how they look this year, I think they could win outright, but I'm going to play it safe and take the points. I mentioned my hate for Big Ben. I mentioned my hate for the Steelers right now and the way they're running things on offense paired with a very injured TJ Watt, maybe not even going to play. I think Aaron Rodgers has found his mojo. Um, as we mentioned, I like Green Bay minus six and a half sitting at minus 115. And then I mentioned a teaser. We have our classic six-point teaser in which I tease the over 46 in the Raiders-Chargers game. And I don't see the Raiders getting blown out by the Chargers with how they can score. So I tease that three and a half up to nine and a half. So that is a tease. Raiders, Chargers, over 46 on the total tease, on the side tease, plus nine and a half. Very good. And for me, it is just one play. It is the Broncos minus one and a half taking on the Ravens. You can get it at one now, or you can play them on the money line at minus 115, I think, depending on where you shop. Either way, just one bet for me. Bevo, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Can you tell the people where to find you on the World Wide Web? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Great time as always. Uh, secondly, uh, you can follow me at Brian Bevo 10 spelled like it is right down there in the little stream on the uh, bottom. Uh, yeah, always giving out plays for free. Uh, DMs always open if you ever want to question any of my plays. Uh, you know, as much as I do love college football in the NFL, I am huge into college basketball. If anyone's been following me for a while, you know, it's kind of my favorite thing to do. So with college basketball season coming up, um, I will be previewing my top 25 teams in 25 days when we get to 25 days to go in the season. So that's coming up pretty soon. So be on the lookout for that. Um, again, you can follow that at Brian Vivo 10. Yeah, and you definitely want to keep an eye on his work during the college basketball season. A lot of volume, and he wins with the high volume, which uh, is something that is very hard to do. I'm a, I'm a lower volume player, so I'm always impressed. When somebody can make a lot of plays and win a lot of plays, I will be back next week. With the Shark, we will go over week five of the NFL season, give you our best bets for that. Until then, check out ATS.io, written previews of every game on the NFL schedule this week. We've got UFC, college football, baseball previews, everything you need in the world of sports betting for the upcoming weekend. Until next week, see you next time. Thank you for watching the GBI Show.